When I was preparing for this message, I went on Google and uh, I searched for how many wars have there been in the history of the world. Well, one answer was that no one can tell because not all wars have been recorded. Another answer that I came across, another response was that since history began to record wars, there have been seven years of war for every one year of peace. Needless to say, war is a fact of life in spite of all the peace agreements and peace treaties that have been signed by different countries and individuals. Even though they've been signed, war continues. There are also different kinds of wars that we find ourselves in. There are trade wars. There are uh, gas wars. There are political wars. And it seems like this morning we could accurately say that the world is filled with war and that peace seems to be very elusive. It seems to be an elusive idea really at best. But I do believe that there should be a place where on this earth where people can go and find peace. There should be a place where all kinds of people from all different backgrounds should be able to gather. And though there may be great differences among them, there there still ought to be peace in the midst of them. And I would think that the place that peace ought to reign supreme ought to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are called out by Christ ought to be a people of peace. Those who claim Christ as their personal Savior ought to be a people of peace. Romans 12, 18 tells us that if it be possible, as much as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. The sad reality, though, folks, is that the church has been a place of war for far too long. The church has been made up of divisions and fractions, all because a person or a group of persons did did not get their way. Not only do I see this in the church in the micro sense, in local churches, but I also see it in the church at large in uh, in the macro sense. The churches at large will war with each other. Even, even fractions of, of groups that we would associate ourselves with, there are fractions within that group that would not associate with us because of one personal preference over another. There would be division, there would be fractions, there would be war. Jesus said those that be for us are not against us. That we should not try and hinder those that may be doing the work of God, and we know that they're following the Word of God, but they might be doing it a little bit different way than we would do it. And many times it's because one person or a group of people do not get their way. James hits the problem right between the eyes. 
with this idea of war within the church. What's very interesting is I want you to take a look at James chapter 3 because in verses 17 and 18 of James chapter 3, he's talking about peace. Take a look, James three seventeen. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. These two verses are dripping with peace and mercy and, and grace. And he moves right from talking about peace in chapter 3 into talking about war in chapter 4. Now, we've got to remember that when James wrote this, there was no chapter divisions. There was no verse divisions. It was a letter like you would get from anybody else today. And so he's going right from one subject into another subject. And what he's talking about in verses 17 and 18, he's talking about godly wisdom and how the fruit of, of right living, the, uh, uh, and how the fruit of right living is sown in peace. So, so, so if we are exercising godly wisdom, we will be a people of peace. And then what he does is he moves from peace in the war. And what he is showing us is that the fighters, the, one who are, the ones who are divisive in the church, the ones who are stirring up trouble in the church are not operating out of the wisdom of God, but are operating out of the wisdom of man, or we would say out of the, uh, the, the uh, operation of the flesh. Now listen, whenever any of us is operating in the flesh, war is becoming declared. Matter of fact, war has been declared. And then what happens is war becomes self-inflicted. It's one thing for us to inflict war on maybe another country. But then what happens when we do that? We're involved in it, right? We don't like it maybe when somebody would inflict war upon us. But when it comes to the spiritual war that we're talking about here, it's, it, it comes down to that then when we operate in the flesh, war becomes self-inflicted. Operating in the flesh is the declaration of a self-inflicted war. But just as war can be self-inflicted, it doesn't have to be. James gives us the cause and the cure for the reasons why we have war. And I want you to take a look at that. You say, well, pastor, how does this apply to my life? Why should I continue listening to this message? I think that's a good question. Because if you follow what this, this teaching has to say from the Word of God, you will learn how to have peace in your life. You will learn how to have peace with others. You'll learn, if you could just take these principles, you'll learn how to have peace in your family. You can learn how to have peace in, in, in the church here. And I believe that everybody wants peace. You have to be a pretty warped individual to always want life stirred up. I, I don't think too many people want to live on the edge of anxiety and fear and, and strife and all those other emotions that go with it. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. Everybody wants peace. So how can I 
figure out what the causes of war for, in my own life are. And why am I having war or quarrels or fightings amongst other people in my family or in the church? And what's the cure? Well, I want you to take a look at the first thing. The first reason why you and I have war with others or with our own heart is because it's our passions that cause war. Your passions cause war. Take a look at verses 1 through 3. It tells us here, From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Your passions cause war. In those few verses right there, in those three verses, three times lust is mentioned. If you're in the habit of marking your Bible, you, may wanna, you might want to mark it. In verse 1, it says, even of your lust, you might want to circle that. In verse 2, it says, ye lust. And then the last word of verse 3, it says, lusts. Now, in our English language, we look at that and it, we think it all means the same thing. But in verse 1, it has a different nuance than it does in verses 2 and 3. We would say it like this. We could read it like this. For whence cometh your wars and fightings among you? Come they not even from your desire to have pleasure or desire to have your passions? Ye long for, verse 2. That's what verse 2 and verse 3 mean. That word lust. Ye long for. You, you, are, you are going after that. That's the thing that you want the most. You, you, you're desiring this. And so it's your pleasures and your passions that cause war. Why? Because they are the overarching theme. That's, that's what you want. You want that for your life. Well, he breaks it down here and he gives us some ideas of our passions. He says, letter A, if you will, your selfish passions, your selfish passion is a cause of war. James begins with a question here in, in verse 1. He says, where are the quarrelings and conflicts and, co and fightings coming from? Where is all this coming from? You ever get in a, maybe in an argument with a, a family member or, uh, and it just came right out of the blue, everything was fine, and then, and then they just blew up at you? You're like sitting there one minute talking and the next minute, boom! You're like, you think to yourself there, what in the world happened? Where in the world did that come from? You ever talk to somebody and they, they, they're, they're fine one minute, but then, man, you say something and there's a hot button and boom! Well, it has to do with the selfish desires. You hit something in their life. And it has to do with the selfish desires that battle within our heart. Take a look, at, flip back to James chapter 3, if you will, because I want you to see this here. James chapter 3. It's your selfish passions that cause war. James chapter 3 and verse 14, if you would. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Verse 16, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. You say, well, what's, what's the problem here? It's the sin of selfishness. These people in this passage that James was, was writing to, they wanted what they wanted. It was selfish ambition. It was selfish 
pleasure. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 3 because Paul talks about this war that we have. Romans chapter 3, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 7. Paul talks about this war that we have within ourselves. And every believer has this war. When it comes to our selfish passions, we would say it like this. We are fighting the flesh. But sometimes we just want what we want. Not saying it's right. It's sin. It's the reason that there is quarrels, conflicts, fightings, or as James puts it, war, we would say. Romans chapter 7, if you will, in verse 23. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. See, listen, listen, folks. When you and I allow the selfish passions of our heart to be the driving force in our life, we are sure to end up in conflict. When you and I allow the selfish passions in our life to be the driving force, we are sure to end up in conflict. It'll happen every single time. It's interesting to note that despite all of the sinful desire, take a look. What's, you know what's interesting? Is that when we, when we operate in the sinful desire, we want something, but verse 2 tells us we don't get it. Take a look at verse 2. Ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight more, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 3, if you will, please. See, the reason... Now, now listen. This is... I want you to follow my thought process. Okay? You're wanting something. Your selfish desire wants something. Because, listen, you think that's going to give you peace. You think that's going to give you contentment. You think that's going to get you what you want. But, listen, you you get it maybe for a moment, but then it goes away, doesn't it? It's gone. And then those same selfish passions come up again. And you have that same quarrel, that same conflict, that same confrontation, that same war. Why? Because you are trying to fill something in your life, that peace that only God can give. You're trying to use, you're trying to get the peace that only God can give through selfish means by getting some. Well, if they would just change, if they would just do this, if they just didn't do that, if I just had, if, if it was just like this, if, but, you're still not going to get what you want. You want lasting peace and it's not going to happen. And James uses some serious language. And he does so because, now listen, he wants to press home the point of the seriousness of sin of fighting among believers. And 1 John talks about this. You know, some of you might say, well, hey, 
I don't fight with anybody in the church. Yeah, but you fight like cats and dogs with husband or wife. Uh, listen, hopefully they're a believer as well. Remember, before they were your husband or your wife, they're your sister or brother in Christ. Remember that. Before they were ever your husband or wife, they were your brother or sister in Christ. And God doesn't take lightly, God doesn't take lightly the sin of selfishness among believers and fighting among believers. Take a look at what 1 John has to say. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. See, both James, the writer of James, and then John, who wrote 1 John, knew the scriptures, and they knew how detrimental the effects of fighting among believers could have upon the unsaved world. I want you to turn over to Psalm 133, if you will, please. What causes this conflict, this war... It's your passions. Well, let's break it down. What type of passions? It's your selfish passions. You want what you want. Instead of fighting, there is to be unity among believers. As I said before, there ought to be one place upon the face of the earth that people can come from all different backgrounds and experience peace. And it ought to be the church. If it's not... There's not a problem with the Bible. There's not a problem with the gospel. The problem lies with us. Take a look at what Psalm chapter 133 says. In verse 1. Psalm 133, 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I believe that James also would have been quick not only to remember this portion of scripture but to remember what uh, the Lord Jesus said that all men will know that we're his disciples by our love one for another see there wasn't there wasn't a conflict because there was passion for truth no how many church how many church fightings have you ever heard about that a church actually had a big conflict because of truth. Oh man, they, 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 wait a second. The pastor stopped preaching the truth. Or we heard about some Sunday school teachers moving off the truth. No, but you know what we hear? What do we hear? Well, so-and-so said this about so-and-so. And now they're upset, and somebody so-and-so told so-and-so. What about the color of the carpet? That man, that's, that church is awfully cold, meaning air conditioned. <laughs> it's just too hot. Or the preacher, he's too long-winded. Or he's too... Short, I wish he would preach longer. Very few people ever say that. <laughs> or why don't, why don't they take up their offering at this time instead of this time? 
There's nothing about truth. Very rarely do you find any churches that are, that are fighting over what God has to say. Wait a second, this is what the Bible says and we're not following it, so therefore we need to follow the Bible. Very rarely do you ever hear about that. See, there wasn't a, there wasn't a conflict because there was a passion for truth or, or because there was a passion for godly wisdom, but it, the, the, the conflict came because there was a passion for selfish pleasures. Listen, you might want to write this down. Instead of being a pleasure, instead, and they were pleasure seekers instead of being prayer warriors. Are you a pleasure seeker or are you a prayer warrior? I can guarantee you this much if you're on your knees asking God for his will and his will alone that you're not going to be a person that's filled with conflict. You're not going to be a person that's marred with quarreling. You're not going to be a person that's filled with fightings and, and all those type of things amongst people. Why? Because you're going to want God's will. At the end of verse 2, you say, well, how do prayer warriors come involved in this? Well, take a look at the end of verse 2. You have not because you ask not. And it's almost like, oh, there we go. That's the out. So if I just ask God for it, then I can get it. That's not the, you got to read the rest of it. Some were prayerless people. It says you have not because you ask not. That's the point. Some were prayerless people. These prayerless people were not wanting God's will, but they wanted to have their own desires fulfilled, so therefore they didn't pray. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not going to pray about something that I know is against God's will. Why? Because I want what I want. I, I, I know that, you know, that may not be God's will, but God just doesn't understand my circumstance, and so therefore, uh, I, I don't need to pray about it. I, I, I need this, and if I just get this, I will be okay. So there were some that were prayerless people. But then others were praying people. Look at verse 3. Ye ask and ye receive not, because ye ask it amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Now these are the people that seem to be a little bit more spiritual. At least they look like on the outside more spiritual. And, and you say, well, what, what was their motive? They were praying with the wrong motive. They wanted it. They wanted what they wanted so they can consume it or spend it on their own lust. They had selfish motives, and it was obvious by the type of prayers that they were praying. So see, the reason that your passions cause wars because first there's a selfish passion. You want what you want. But also, take a look here. I want you to look at verses 11 and 12. Your evil speech causes war. Your evil speech causes war. Take a look at verse 11. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? The sad fact of the matter is that the early church was not without conflict. If you do just a quick scan of the New Testament letters, you'll find that there were many churches there that had conflict. The church of Corinth, for example, you can look there, they were competing with one another. 
They were arguing and fighting with one another. A matter of fact, they were, it was so bad in that church that they were suing one another in the church. Can you imagine that? Man, I couldn't imagine having to pastor a church where one group of people was suing another group of people in the same church. That's why Scripture tells us to better for us to be defrauded. What do you mean? That we would be taken advantage of. Just let it go. Christians shouldn't do that. So there's the church of Corinth that was, they had tons of problems. The church of Galatia says that, that the believers in the congregation were biting and devouring one another. They were biting and devouring one another. That's some pretty strong language. Paul also admonishes the church of Ephesus to cultivate a spiritual uni unity. And then there was a dispute in the church of Philippi that was so great that they wrote about it and told Paul, they, they told Paul about it and he wrote about it in Philippians. So it wasn't like the church was without conflict. And though, though war in a church is not a new phenomenon, it doesn't mean that it's acceptable. And James now shows that here's another way that is a cause for war or conflict or fighting or quarrels. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching this? Well, number one, I preach expositorily through the Word of God, and this is where we find ourselves. Well, Pastor, do you know of any problems that are going on like this in our church? No, I don't. But maybe God led us to this point here in this Scripture to be preemptive. It may not be to be corrective today. This may be preemptive. Or maybe it's, maybe not for our church, but some families that are having issues. And remember, if it's in your family, eventually, if you're part of the church, it's probably going to spill over in the church because all that a church is is a bunch of families made up that come together to be able to worship the Lord. So I don't know of anything per se, but maybe God's allowed us to be here this morning and this evening so that we could be preemptive and say, wait a second, let's not fall into this. You want to know why? Because guess what? Maybe we're going to do some stuff in the courtyard back there. Maybe some people say, oh, well, you know, uh, I, I think that this ought to be done here and, and this ought to be, and, and why aren't they doing this here? And, and what about this here? And oh, I'm upset about this. Look, I'm going to tell you exactly right now the way it's going to go. Just let you know, there's one thing that I want out there. I want actually two things. I want sidewalks, and I want the bell from the original church out there. You say, well, how's that going to go? Wednesday, with Steve Beppel and the deacons, we're going to present it to them. We're going to come up with a bunch of ideas. God's placed those men around me to help give me wisdom. Those ideas, everybody agrees on it. Guess what? We're going to present it to the church and we're going to say, here we go, church. This is what it's going to look like. And we're all going to be happy about it. <laughs> so maybe this is preemptive. But James tells us that evil speech can cause war. And talking against another brother or sister or pastor or deacon or staff member or Sunday school teacher is unwarranted in the body of Christ. When someone talks bad about another person, when someone talks down about another person, we would say that that person, we're, that, that, that person is running that other person down. And according to the word of God here, you know what we're acting like when we do that? We're acting like as if we are 
their judge. We're acting as if we know all the facts about the situation. We're acting as if we're without sin. And we're acting as if we speak about these people that they're going to give an account to us one day, which they're not. See, James is not only revealing the sin of evil speech, but he is also revealing the sin of having a judgmental attitude. James is showing us this morning that a person or persons to speak in this way is acting as if they're above the law. I don't know about you, but that frustrates me. You know what I found in our country, and I love our country, and I'm thankful for our country. I pray for our president, and, and we need to pray for those in authority. The Bible teaches us. I pray that President Trump will make good decisions, and his cabinet around will make good decisions, and, and uh, we need to do that. But you know what's frustrating to me as a regular citizen, and I can guarantee it's frustrating to you, that it seems like the politicians are above the law. It seems like we've got one set of laws for the people here and then another set of laws for the other people, you know, the, the elite people. By the way, if our health care is so great, why don't you have the same health care as you're giving us? So you got your special health care, you know. <laughs> well, I'm meddling right now, but that's... So if you don't like that, that's okay. You don't have to agree. You can throw it right out. But I, my point is that none of us like to, to have somebody that lives above the law, right? That's my point. So what I just said those past 30 seconds, that wasn't Bible, but this is, okay? So you're allowed to throw that out. You're allowed to disagree with me. But when it comes to the Bible, you can't. But when we start talking evil about other people, you know what we're doing? We're setting ourselves up as if, if we're above the law. I would never, I can't believe who do they think they are? Well, wait a second. Last time I checked, every single one of us, from the oldest of us here to the youngest of us, we're going to stand before God one day and we're all going to give an account. You say, Pastor, what are we to do with this this morning? Since there's no problem in our church, well, this is what I would say. I said, let's make it preemptive. Let's not have a problem, okay? But then secondly, let's take just this first point here about our passions cause conflict, they cause war, they cause quarrels, they cause fighting, whatever terminology you want to use, and bring that into our home life. When there's that quarrel, when there's a little bit of butting of heads sometimes, okay, wait a second, well, what's going on here? Well, pastor, I just want my, I just, I just want my, 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 my young person to do what's right. And, and, and what's interesting is that we're wanting them to do what's right and serve the Lord, but we're acting very out of anger. We're acting, uh, we're yelling. We're, uh, it just doesn't make much sense, does it? You know, sometimes the only thing that you can do is just get on your knees and say, God, you've got to do something. Uh, maybe when there's some butting of heads with husbands and wife, you say, whoa, whoa, you think to yourself, hold on, hold on. What's happening here? What's the selfish passion that I'm wanting? Let me just back up. 
or maybe not only a selfish passion, but maybe there's been some arguing and fussing and fighting with him, maybe extend the family, and then people start talking about, oh, Aunt Gertrude and Uncle Buford and can you believe? And Wait a second, that's not the way, the way Christians... Listen, some of you, your family, you are the only Christians in your family. You are the only Christians in your family. Now listen, when there's gatherings together and holidays and, and family reunions and stuff like that, and other people, other family members start down-talking other people in your family, the best thing that you can do is stand up for what is right, be very kind and gentle, and say, you know what? I've never seen them to be that way with me. I love them. I'm glad they're here. You see, James knew how detrimental fighting within the church or within a family could be to the unsaved world. It ruins our gospel testimony. As we're standing there Sunday morning, oh, there's joy in serving Jesus, and we can't stand to look across the auditorium. Mm. And James says it's because of your passions, the pleasures that you want that's causing these conflicts. See, folks, our Christian life, you say, well, then what should it be? My Christian life should not be about what I want. It should be about God's will. And let me tell you something. Whenever you find yourself in the center of God's will, it'll always be what you want. You say, how do you know that? Because your heart will have been changed. So this morning, you say, Pastor, what do you want us to do? I want us to evaluate our life. I want us to see if there's conflict in our life. And if it's, Lord, search me. Lord, try me. Help me to see if, if I'm going after my own pleasures. Am I the reason it's help stirring this pot up? And then the second thing I want you to do is stop looking Anywhere else except for the circle that you've drawn around your own life. Don't say, but, no. But if they, no. It would be so much easier. It may be easier if they were. It may be. That's not the point. It has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with you. This morning, you know what we just did? We just had a pretty large counseling session on how to handle conflict from the Bible. But for those of you who don't know Christ this morning, you're in a war and you don't even realize it. You're in a war for your soul. This morning, there's, there's going to be, we're going to have an invitation here in about two to three minutes 
where you're going to have an opportunity to come and accept Christ as your personal Savior, to ask Him to forgive you of your sins. And, and right in front of you, what's going to happen is you're going to be standing in your pew and you're going to put your hand there and your hand there. You're going to be standing there and I'm going to be saying, if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, why don't you come down front and we can show you from the Word of God how your sins can be forgiven, how you can go to heaven and you know what's going to be, happen? Inside, there's going to be a war that's going to be going on and it's going to be, what will people think if I walk down? What do I have to give up if I walk down there? And if I could just hold out just for a few minutes more, just pass, just get done, okay, get done. I'm good. My religion's good. I got what I want. There's a war that's going to be going on inside of you. And that war is for your soul. And listen, the only way that you can win that war is to be able to give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus. 